welcome to this edition of TBU's Bet Books for Beginners, episode 160. My name is Jerry. And I'm Chris. And we're your hosts. On Bat Books for Beginners, we will examine story arcs with Batman and related characters. We'll give you the historical background of the book, break down the plot and the art, and give you our opinions so you can decide for yourself if they're worth a read. Today's Bat Book is a collection of stories commonly referred to as War Games, Act 2. This covers the issues of Detective Comics 798, Batman Legends of the Dark Knight 183, Nightwing 97, Batman Gotham Knights 57, Robin 130, Batgirl 56, Catwoman 35, and Batman 632. Chris, (laughs) could you tell us a little bit about these books? Sure, thank you very much, Jerry. Hello, Bat fans, thank you for downloading. This particular volume is also called Batman War Games Act 2 Tides. When it was originally released, this softcover trade paperback was cover dated June 2005. According to MyComicShop.com, it's gone through more than one printing, and its original cover price was $14.95, and that got you 192 pages. At the time of this recording, most online vendors had it for no higher than the original price, and quite a few had it for less. The lowest price I found was $3.98 for a used copy. (laughs) And I just don't know how used it is. (laughs) There you have it. All the material in this book was collected again in a reissue that came out last year in a paperback called Batman War Games Book 2. As mentioned in the last podcast, DC reprinted the War Games story arc in two volumes more recently. But the originally it was reprinted putting the story arc over three volumes. And we're going to cover the second one here. Uh, at this point, this is the part where I usually mention the creative teams based off my memories and online sources. However, I think the creative teams for the individuals are the same ones that we covered in the first volume in our last podcast. Yeah. And those writers were Anderson Gabrich, A.J. Lieberman, Devin Grayson, Bill Willingham, Dylan Horrocks, and Ed Brubaker. And over on Art, we had Pete Woods, Brad Walker, Al Barry Nuevo, Mike Lilly, John Proctor, Mike Huddleston, Paul Galisi, and Kinsoon. Okay, so it may be a bit redundant to go in-depth with those I previously mentioned. So let's look at the cover art. The cover to Detective 798 was done by Jock. Now, I don't think we've mentioned Jock before. His real name is Mark Simpson, and he's originally from Scotland. His first work appeared in the British 2000 AD series. He's done a lot of cover art for both DC and Marvel, and he did some work in Detective Comics, most notably in the Black Mirror storyline, and most recently has done artwork on the current All-Star Batman title. And let's see, yeah, the cover art for Batman Gotham Knights was done by Jay Lee, and I don't think he's mentioned, he's been mentioned on our show before. He's of Korean descent, and I remember his fantastic work in the early 90s on Marvel's Namor the Submariner. He also did work on one of the versions of the Inhumans title. Uh, Other DC work was for the female Manhunter series and Batman slash Superman three to four years ago. The cover art for this particular trade paperback that we're covering was done by James Jean. Jean was born in Taipei, Taiwan, and I didn't find too many credits beyond uh, what he did here. He didn't have too many. He's more of a commercial artist. Let's see, there are nine online reviews on Amazon.com for this particular book, and it currently has a rating of four and a half out of five stars, with no reviews below four out of five. Mm-hmm. And with that, I'll turn the wheel over to Jerry, who can tell us about the plot of this book. Okay, well, thanks, Chris. That was terrific information. So we're going to talk about the plot and uh, discuss what we think about this book, 
after these messages from our friends. Trekker Talk, a fan podcast devoted to the adventures of 23rd century bounty hunter Mercy St. Clair from the pages of Trekker Comics by creator, writer, and artist Ron Randall. I'm Darren. And I'm Ruth. We'll be discussing the stories, characters, and art in this excellent retro sci-fi adventure series, as well as having side conversations about other areas of fandom. We hope you'll join us as we travel from the dangerous back streets of New Gallif to the depths of outer space and everywhere in between. Trekker Talk is available at podbean.com and on iTunes and Stitcher. Find us at trekkertalk.com. When you talk about comics, does it sound something like this? Look, you can't put the Superman number 77s with the 200s. They haven't even discovered red kryptonite yet. And you, uh, you can't put the number 98s with the 300s. Lori Lamaris hasn't even been introduced. Or maybe it sounds a little more like this. You think Mighty Mouse could beat up Superman? What are you, cracked? Why not? I saw the other day he was carrying five elephants in one hand. Boy, you don't know nothing. Mighty Mouse is a cartoon. Superman is a real guy. No way a cartoon could beat up a real guy. Yeah, maybe you're right. Would be a good fight, though. Hello, I am the constantly caffeinated Clinton Robinson, and my comics discussions can go to both extremes, but generally fall somewhere in between. On the Coffee and Comics podcast, I will review comic stories and other comics-related topics that can be enjoyed over a cup of coffee. So pour the coffee, or other beverage of choice, and join me on the Coffee and Comics podcast, available on iTunes and coffeeandcomicspodcast.blogspot.com. Welcome back. Thank you for staying with us. So let's talk about War Games, Act 2. Gotham is in the midst of a full-scale gang war. Schools and playgrounds are war zones, and innocents are being killed in the crossfire. One of the victims is Darla Akista. She has been killed at her high school, and not even Tim Drake was able to save her. Darla's distraught father, mob boss Henry Akista, tells his men to kill them all, kind of like in Spartacus. Onyx has healed from her wounds, and she makes her way to back up Orpheus. Batman wonders who planned this war. Whomever it was has done a great job of pitting everyone against everyone else. It is well-planned and methodical. He asks GCPD Commissioner Aikens to turn over command of the police to him. Aikens angrily refuses. Tim Drake has seen his friend Darla killed and decides to defy his father's wishes, put on the Robin suit, and help out the Bat family with this crisis. Catwoman forces Spoiler to stay with friends of hers, Karen and Holly. Spoiler understands that the plan she stole from the Bat computer relied on someone named Matches Malone to make it work. Catwoman tells her that Matches Malone is one of Batman's secret identities. Spoiler knows that all of this chaos all across Gotham is her fault. Catwoman promises not to tell Batman of her screw-up. However, Selina visits Dr. Leslie Tompkins and tells her, and asks her to tell Batman. 
a mysterious figure is going from criminal to criminal in search of information, and he isn't afraid to use pain and torture to get it. Who is this new threat? Hmm. All across Gotham, the lights go out. Penguin has taken out the lights to create fear in Gotham. Batman somehow knew that the lights would go out. How, he asks himself. Of course, this is my plan, he realizes. This is what I set up. And he has Alfred see who last accessed the plan on the Bat computer. It was spoiler. It all makes sense. Now he knows what's going on. He can start to get Gotham under control. He must find Orpheus because he is the only one that the plan depends on. Spoiler leaves Karen in Holly's house and makes her way across Gotham to find Orpheus. She knows, and she knows the plan, she knows that Orpheus is the key to the plan to take over Gotham's underworld, and he must be protected if it is all going to hold together. She finds him, but a figure sneaks up from behind him and slits his throat in front of the shocked Stephanie. The mysterious figure, causing havoc among the criminal underworld in Gotham, is Roman Sionis, Black Mask. He and Spoiler fight, but Black Mask is willing to endure more pain than she is, and he beats her. He overcomes her. He ties her up and tortures her to tell him what Batman's plan is. She finally tells him that Orpheus is the center of the plan, and that he has already killed him. Hush arrives at Orpheus's place and tells Black Mask that if Roman stays out of his business, he will tell him where to find the Batcave. Spoiler is able to release herself from her chains after he leaves, but Black Mask is gone. She heads to Dr. Tompkins' clinic to tell Batman to get word to Batman that Orpheus is dead. Batman takes over all communications across Gotham and tells the police all to push the bad guys to Robinson Park no matter what and don't stop. All across the city, the GCPD and the Bat family obliges. Henry Akista sees his poor dead daughter and puts out the word that he wants Orpheus dead. Black Mask has found a Bat communicator in Orpheus's masks. Mask. He impersonates Orpheus in makeup and his costume and disposes of Orpheus's body. He's able to fool Onyx in this disguise into thinking that he is in fact Orpheus. So fake Orpheus sends her out on a mission to a factory to inspect the mysterious device that sprays some kind of foul liquid. Zeiss, one of Akista's thugs, attacks fake Orpheus, but Batman arrives and takes care of business. Zeiss has planted a bomb, which Batman is able to disable, but while the Dark Knight is distracted, fake Orpheus lets Zeiss get away. Batman returns and detects that Spoiler was here, and she had been in a fight, and it isn't clear where she is. The power across Gotham comes back on. Batman is angry that Onyx left Orpheus' side, and that no one should overrule his orders. Batman gives fake Orpheus orders, which uh, he says to follow to the letter. All the bad guys are being pushed into Robinson Park, where they will make their last stand. Until next time. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. yeah, that's the story. Uh, and it was uh, it was quite a ride. Indeed. So, so, Chris and I will tell you what we think about this story after these messages from our friends. 
Do you enjoy movie scores? Do you like science fiction? Do you like fantasy? And do you like movies? Uh, uh, everything's under control, situation normal. What happened? Uh, I had a slight weapons malfunction, but uh, everything's perfectly all right now. We're fine. We're all fine here now. Thank you. How are you? Well, I have a podcast for you. Soundtrack Alley. It's a podcast where I take you on a journey through the time of my childhood and beyond to give you a glimpse into the world of movies, science fiction, fantasy, and other films that touch me on a personal level. You'll also enjoy interviews from film composers from famous movies from the past or even current times. Enjoy the interaction I have with guests on my show every so often, and check out other shows that share in guest spots. So sit back, relax, and let the soundtrack world wash over you, and check out Soundtrack Alley. You'll love it. Beautiful as Aphrodite. Wise as Athena. Stronger than Hercules. Swifter than Mercury. Explore the 75-year history of the Amazon princess with Wonder Woman, Warrior for Peace, a monthly podcast available on iTunes, Stitcher, and at wonderwomanwarriorforpeace.wordpress.com. Welcome back, and thank you for rejoining us. So, Chris, tell me a little bit about what you think about this story. Well, usually I do my thoughts with uh, broad brushstrokes here, but uh, I broke this down with specifics. Um, I thought it was unusual that we opened with a Detective Comics issue, and there was a cut of a TV screen reporter who states that uh, she's broadcasting from WGBS. And as old Supermans know, uh, WGBS was a Metropolis TV station that Clark Kent was a news anchorman for in the 1970s. Uh, that was a part of the big galaxy broadcasting network uh, owned by Morgan Edge. I don't know where we stand with uh, WGBS in this present continuity. I don't think the call letters are used by any TV station right now. I think it's actually owned by the CW. I did a little bit of research there once I saw that uh, those call letters. One of the most uh, poignant moments, I thought, was Batman saying, I may have not treated Stephanie as fairly as I should have. And I thought that was a very strong moment in the opening chapter, and he kind of used that as a throwaway line to Oracle, and that really uh, resonated with me. I thought that was one of the more uh, telling moments. And Batman opening himself up with uh, emotion and feeling is something we don't get too often in a title, and I thought that was really unusual uh, with with a confession moment there. Yeah, he usually doesn't second-guess himself like that. Oh, yeah. 
when we got a little deeper in the book, we were into uh, Batman Legends of the Dark Knight number 183, which is the second chapter. I thought we had some great colors by Javier Rodriguez, and this was one of my more favorite chapters of the book. I enjoyed seeing an aggressive Matches Malone on the street trying to pump information for people as opposed to Batman doing it. Mm-hmm. Um, seeing, seeing Batman do that is kind of uh, something you're used to seeing, too, but here we had Matches Malone, and we just had uh, some really great visuals of facial expressions and of all these people he interrogated just to get any snippet of information was really, really, really good. Uh, this chapter also gave us a great exchange between Commissioner Gordon and Batman, mm-hmm. and I thought that was really, really well done. Uh, we sort of take a slight dip, but I think we're, we're getting into, as, as we dig a little deeper, uh, the Nightwing chapter had some decent art, and it put the pieces in places. I think there was nothing against Devin Grayson. Uh, she really did a beautiful job showing the uh, Tarantula Nightwing Oracle Triangle. Mm-hmm. That was that was a good moment. Um, there was some decent art. Batman Gotham Knights number fifty seven. For me, the highlight was uh, we had a Tarantula Deadshot clash, and <laughs> that out of nowhere, I thought that was unusual. And to see Tarantula get the better of Deadshot, I thought was really really interesting. Yeah, wow. with Tarantula coming out on top, I, I didn't see that coming. Um, one of the more pain points for me, though, uh, I think we're in Robin 130, where the torturing of Spoiler happened at the hands of Black Mask. Mm-hmm. That seemed to be a little bit drawn out for me. It was an excruciating read. If you have any younger readers, I think you might want to look at it before showing it to someone else t- to uh, peruse. There was a really, really brutal, brutal torture depiction here. Yeah, uh, we moved on to Batgirl fifty six. Uh, we had uh, the Ghost Dragon appear. I thought I was I thought it was just blah for me. It didn't take anything uh, there. I just filler. Uh, Catwoman thirty five. I love the Paul Glacier art. I mentioned it last podcast. I thought it really did a good job here. Another pain point I had was in the final chapter of Batman six thirty two, where he was being fooled by Black Mask. Um, with the disguise, <laughs> I just thought, hey, this is Batman, this is somebody you've interacted with numerous yeah. times. You know, you know, how can you be fooled by by a disguise with someone with the same height and weight? And yeah. with, uh, that, that just really um, seeing seeing somebody disguised as Orpheus, Black Mask disguised as Orpheus, and trying to fool Batman, and Batman buying it just took me out of the chapter for a little bit. Mm-hmm. So, Jerry, I was all over the place, and I, I had a lot. I threw a lot at you. Um, overall, what did you think? Well, as I mentioned last time. Usually these gang warfare stories and, you know, dark and gritty crime dramas aren't my thing. But I think this story is still pretty much holding together with a couple of exceptions um, that I'll, I'll get to. Uh, this has my favorite cast. It has um, Barbara as Oracle. It has Cass as Batgirl, Stephanie Browns, and a Tim Drake as Robin. Uh, Nightwing, Catwoman. I mean, this is, this is all of my favorites. So, uh, you know, in terms of the, the, the cast... It's perfect for me. I love That's a good point. Yep, yeah, go ahead. Well, I was going to just going I didn't I gave uh, Tim a bit of short shrift when when uh was talking a little earlier. Early on we could, you could just see the torture of him oh. just sitting on the sidelines and okay. contemplating I have to get in this. I have to get in this and then eventually he does and there's just this great moment where you see him in costume and there's a splash page and you you, you really felt some some nice affirmation and you really were rooting for the guy. Definitely. There's a great page. I think it's Detective Comics 798 where he's saying, you know, sorry, Dad, but Gotham needs me. And it's just, Mm -hmm. he looks like a superhero. I mean, it just, it's just got it. It all works. 
The Tim story is fantastic. I loved him going back to Wayne Manor to rejoin the Bat family. You know, Alfred was waiting for him. Like, where have you been? <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. expecting that he he knew Tim. He knows Tim and uh, knows how strongly um, Tim loves the Bat family, loves Gotham and his sense of responsibility. And there's also a scene in Legends of the Dark Knight uh, 183 where... You know, Batman's like, uh, I think it's saying to Oracle, you know, Oracle says, uh, you're, you have good news coming. And he's, Batman says, what is it? And she says, turn around. And there's a great full page shot of uh, Tim in Robin gear kind of flying down the side of the building to, to join Batman. And he says, Batman. And Batman says, Robin. And it's just so simple and so perfect. And that was really one of the highlights of the story for me. Now, I absolutely agree. It was really effective. Yeah. Now, uh, so also the art in Batgirl 56. So that was by uh, Huddleston, Delperdang, uh, and uh, it, it was a little cartoony. It was very different than a lot of the rest of the art uh, in, the, in this uh, arc. Uh, and like I said, it's a little cartoony, but it was a kind of a nice change of pace. And to be honest, I don't mind sometimes... Um, a little more, um, you know, uh, basic, kind of simpler art in a way. And I thought that the change of pace was different. You know, there were, there were a lot of different plot uh, arcs, little plot points that I didn't really go into in the storyline. But this uh, uh, cast Batgirl one was definitely uh, something that I enjoyed. Now... That, as you said, that black mask and uh, torture scene with Stephanie was just, I did not like that at all. That was way over the top for me and um, not my top thing. And the one plot point issue that I have with this, so it's minor, it's probably, you know, maybe it doesn't make any difference, but... Uh, this is Batman's plan, and the whole plan is based on Orpheus taking over the gangs. But, uh, he, he doesn't, Orpheus for some reason is already trying to take over the gangs, and, you know, Batman didn't know that this plan was in effect. So, having that coincidentally happening while Stephanie, Stephanie put this plan into place without his knowledge was a little bit, um, took me out of it a little bit. Whereas I thought the arc, the first arc was perfect. Like all of the different, you know, the logical pieces really made a lot of sense to me. But this one, it's, it's a small thing, but it kind of made me pause. I think it's a fair point. I think when you're dealing with something as grand scale as this, you, you perhaps we will fall into some, uh, plot points such as you said Uh, and it does take the reader out of the story i don't know if the other content outweighs what you have for that or not where was it how big of a distraction was it for you jerry not not that it wasn't so bad and to tell you the truth it didn't really even occur to me until about the second or third time i was looking at the story um so i think Mm -hmm. i think it's buried pretty well uh not something that's maybe obvious but it occurred to me as I was going through it, and uh, um, yeah, it just it just gave me pause. Like I said, yeah, I also forgot to mention some of the other supporting cast. Uh, Alfred was good from what we saw of him. Oracle was just outstanding in every bit that we had. 
uh, Commissioner Gordon, you really felt for this guy with him coming back and offering to help the new commissioner. That really resonated with me. So there were a lot of things, and overall, I don't think it hit maybe a couple of speed bumps here and there, but overall, I really enjoyed this, though, much more than I did on the initial reading. Mm. Back in 2004, I just don't know if I was bogged down with so many titles or if I just wasn't in the right frame of mind to get something month in, month out and follow the story as you could, as a reader coming into it, looking at it in a collected trade where the story is presented all in front of you. I think it flowed much, much better that way, uh, as as reading it that way, as opposed to doing it month to month and getting your books that way. I agree. Says the man who buys his book off the rack, you know, (laughs) and it will never change, but (laughs) this, this was a way, good, good, good way to go though. Definitely. Also, I like the, the, um, Catwoman. Uh, story. There wasn't a lot, but it was definitely her trying to take care of uh, Stephanie and also struggling with her promise to her not to tell Batman, but she knows that people are going to die if she doesn't uh, get word to him. And seeing her go through that logical progression is pretty interesting. Catwoman is a complex character, and I'm glad you brought that up because this is a very difficult uh, assignment for the writer to capture the essence of the character put in this story. And I thought everybody did a great job who handled her here. She is still true to the character. Uh, there was a scene where there were some looters robbing her territory. She told them to put it back, but there was, you still got the essence of respect from both sides and everybody who was there, uh, be it the street thug on the street or somebody in the bad cast talking to Oracle this was great interaction all the way around. And it was kind of a nice tightrope that was walked here. I, I really liked it. Yeah, I agree with you. So in terms of a rating, what do you think, what would you give this? Jerry, I had a hard time with that Batman 632, with Batman being fooled and duped by uh, uh, Black Mask, where he was uh, dressed as Orpheus. I just, that, that was a real, real tough bugaboo for me. That said, this is a solid read. You're getting a great, great Batman story with everyone in the cast. Really, really well done. I, The one quibble aside, I'm still going to go four out of five for my score on this one. Yeah, and I agree with your with that quibble. I have I gave the arc one, the act one, uh, four and a half, and I think that you know this story benefits from the strength of act one. So there, like we said, there are a couple of questions we have about this, but even so, I still think, like you say, this is a strong story, really good characterizations, a great cast. So I'm going to actually, I think this might be the first time. I think we're going to have the exact same rating. I'm going to give it a 4 Great, great. Two other points I wanted to touch on. I did want to revisit uh, again and remind the readers the torture scene with Black Mask and uh, Stephanie Brown is very, very extreme. Yes. He lays out all his weapons that he's going to use on her. It, it is very, very difficult. Uh, for some of our sensitive readers, you may want to watch out for that part. Yeah. One thing uh, we didn't go into, we mentioned all the characters except spoiler herself and at the risk of I don't want to Ian hey I don't want to ruffle your feathers but uh, I don't know if this was maybe the best depiction of Stephanie here in this volume as the previous Uh, mm, she was she was still strong she was still trying to do the right thing she uh, uh, got away from 
Catwoman's gals at the apartment easy enough, and she once once the light went off and she had that epiphany moment, she did want to do right. Uh, she had a confrontation with some uh, gang people on a rooftop where she squelched them pretty easily. She seemed to get the upper hand in the Black Mask battle, but then eventually lost it. I just don't think she was as strongly depicted here as is, was in Volume 1, and that's just me. And I, I'm sorry, I, I'm kind of backtracking, but I didn't want to address that point without getting yeah. some communication from me and said, hey, you mentioned everybody except spoiler. What are you doing, Chris? Come on, talk, talk about talk about her, talk about her. So Absolutely. there you go. There you go, Ian. I, uh, that's for you. Um, I just didn't think it was as strong as in this volume. Yeah. Now, one other thing that, while we're backtracking and talking about spoiler, uh, I also think that one other thing, one other part of that torture scene that did bother me and that people should know about when they think about whether they should get this for their kids or not, there's also a little sexual innuendo from Black Mask about what is Stephanie's role in the Bat family. And they're, you know... He's he's not being very kind to uh, to her, and he's he's making some allusions that are a little adult. And the combination of that kind of innuendo in a torture scene—that's something. If you're thinking about this for for a younger, uh, maybe a teenager or something, you may want to think twice about this. I'm so glad you brought that up, Jerry. I, I that should not be overlooked. I'm glad we you got that in there. That that was really really a great point. So would you? Do you think this is a must-read? Would you recommend this uh, to, to readers? For the particular type of reader, yes. Uh, qualms aside, you know, for the right mature reader, absolutely. We have all the cast here. This this is a great book that has all the characters really well depicted. Yeah. Yes. How about you? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, for a, a more mature reader, I absolutely absolutely would recommend it and i think that it's great characterizations and i think this is a must read for for a lot of these characters so that's what we think about uh, war games act two so we also wanted to r- make sure everyone knew that we are part of the batmanuniverse.net network and not to forget that the batmanuniverse.net has a patreon account so please, if you like what we do, and if you like what some of the other TBU podcasts do, please consider uh, making a donation. Uh, some of the, of course, they have the comics, uh, the comics podcast. They have Everyone Loves the Drake. They have Batgirl to Oracle, and in fact, you, Chris, you review Batman sixty six uh, meets Wonder Woman on Batgirl to Oracle. Yes, for now I am still reviewing Batman 66. I don't know what material there will be coming this fall, but sure enough, I'm there, and I'm very happy to be there. I can be found on Twitter now at uh, BTO and BatBooks, so hopefully you can find me there and I'll find you. Absolutely. Now, Jerry, you do some excellent reviews on the BatmanUniverse.net where I can read your reviews of Mother Panic, Gotham Academy, and the Batman 66 title as well. Now, Jerry also tweets 140 character reviews at (laughs) Professor Frenzy. And he covers his favorite DC books as well as Dark Shadows and some indie comics. And he also live tweets during Spenguli at hashtag Spenguli. So feel free to check him out there. Yeah. Now, if you're on, if you follow me, brace yourself on uh, Saturday night because sometimes you're going to get a lot of, uh, you know, they show that channel, uh, MeTV shows Wonder Woman and Star Trek and Spenguli. And I just, it's just uh, one of my most fun nights of the week. 
It's fast, but it, it is hilarious. It's uh, a great ride. Yeah, it sure is. Now, we have been fortunate, Chris and I, uh, to have, you know, in the, the course of doing this podcast, to have run into some other folks that have other podcasts and different projects that are really, really terrific and worth checking out. One of them is the Cosmic Treadmill that has uh, done by Chris Sheehan, with, who's on Twitter at Ace Comics, and works with at Reggie Reggie. So that's a terrific, uh, terrific uh, podcast where Chris and Reggie, they discuss classic comments. And it, they're so much fun to listen to. And, you know, sometimes you look at it and you say, oh, I'm not that interested in this comic. But then you listen to them, and boy, they sure make it entertaining, no matter what comic book they're reviewing. So we definitely recommend you check them out. Here, here. Yeah. So we also have uh, have been listening to Coffee and Comics podcast with the really terrific Clinton Robeson. He's a true lover of comics, and he recently did an episode. It was a short episode about Free Comic Book Day 2017 that you should definitely check out. He he and his family they just you know just spreading the love of comic books. We have been listening to the Batcave podcast, and they review the TV show episodes and all kinds of other great stuff. So definitely check them out, too. Now, Soundtrack Alley is done by a fellow named Randall Andrews, and it is so much fun. He discusses some of his favorite soundtracks to geeky movies. So if you're a comic book fan, the chances are there are some of those geeky movies that you like, and he goes into really interesting depth about the soundtracks to the movies. So some other folks that we have been talking with on Twitter, uh, Bill Bear at Gotham Knights 13, Mark at... Now he, he, oh, yeah. No, no, Bill, I want to get a shout-out to Bill real quick. He does yeah. the Too Old, Too New podcast, uh-huh. which is a really, really fun one, yeah, and I really like that one. He also does uh, the la- uh, the Bat Pod podcast, so he's he's got two up his sleeve, and shout-out to Bill. I'm sorry. And you yeah. had Mark? Oh, yeah, Mark at I Am The Gun. I'm the gun. It's, uh, he, that's a lot of fun. It is. He was the first to play our promo. So thanks very much, Mark. You also put on a great show. I like your episode where you covered Miss Tree, one of my favorite characters. And I really enjoyed all the stuff you do. you got a really nice voice. Uh, fantastic. Uh, we have another one, Gin and Comics Podcast, which is another one, another fun one. Uh, yeah, right? If, you're, if you like this kind of thing, you're looking for a comics podcast, try Gin and Comics. So another <laughs> really interesting, uh, it's actually a uh, blog spot. It's called uh, crapboxofcthulhu.blogspot.com. <laughs> and that, he's got a Twitter handle at Son of Cthulhu. Now that is some off-the-beaten-path comics, stuff that you would find in the quarter bin. Aliens comics, Disney princess comics, just all over the place, and it's such a fun read that if you're a real fan of comics, you should definitely check it out. And he's got a Lovecraft handle, so that's always good. (laughs) Let's see. We also had likes and retweets on Twitter from Bernadette Dowd, Dean Miller at DeanMiller1A, Keeping Up Kryptonian at Keeping Krypton, also heard from at NYCC Raptor, 
We also got a like from Stella at Batgirl to Oracle. Hey, thanks for the shout out. Yeah. And we also got a like from, hey, we also got a like from the Brass Jerry, the Batman Universe at Batman Universe. So uh, they were paying attention. And I got to give a shout out to just, thank you, Dustin. And Dustin really does a good job. Unbelievable. Uh, We listen to the comic podcast. He always makes it a point to uh, acknowledge when our next episode will drop. And then we were very fortunate to get some uh, support from him with with this show. We, We can't be more fortunate. So thank you very much, Dustin. Also, we apologize if we mistakenly overlooked your comment, tweet, or retweet. If we missed you, please give one of us a contact, and we'll make sure we rectify it on our next episode. Absolutely. Now, of course, Chris, there's someone very special we have to mention, isn't there? Well, yes, of course, we have to mention the Sutherlands. That would be uh, Darren and Ruth Sutherland, who also do three podcasts. They do Warlord Worlds, which focuses on the artwork of Mike Grell, Xenozoic Xenophiles, which looks at the Cadillac and Dinosaur series by Mark Schultz, mm-hmm. and Trekker Talk, which examines the work of Ron Randall. Mm-hmm. All of them are fine and outstanding podcasts. I can't endorse them any higher, and they're just really, really great listens. Mm-hmm. But Salon's have been excellent friends and one of our hugest supporters, and we just love what they do. Definitely. So it's 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 a mutual love fest. <laughs> Now, we've also been talking about doing a, a, possibly doing a project with them, haven't we? Yes, we have. Um, they mentioned uh, the Batman Mosque series, and once they, the, the, the Sullivan's reviewed the things in sequential order, so we're hoping once they get to the part where they get to the Batman Mosque uh, one-shot Elseworld story, that we get to be on their show. So we're hoping uh, that'll play out. So keep your fingers crossed. It may not happen. Uh, may not happen. Soon, but we once that once we get to that point, I think I think we might have an end there. So that would be great. You will see. That would be great. I would love it. Me too. So let's see. What do we have for comments? Well, we got some old business from episode one fifty seven, and this was the episode where we covered Batman as the crow flies. We got a tweet from Ian Miller, aka Ian Prime. There you go again, Ian. Ian says you forgot to mention that Dustin Quinn worked on Stephanie Brown's Batgirl series covers for the last 10 issues, plus a couple of interiors. Smiley face emoji. Well, thank you very much. That's very astute as ever, Ian. Now, also, to be fair, we also got a tweet and a response on Twitter from Comic Book Connoisseur, who's at the Twitter handle Comic Connoisseur, who said, that kind of trivia is hardly, quote, for beginners. You don't want to overwhelm or intimidate people just discovering the hobby. And I think that's a fair comment, too. Mm-hmm. Now, I have to confess, Comic Book Connoisseur, and to the listeners out there, that one of my biggest worries and concerns when I was asked to co-host the Bat Books for Beginners podcast was that at some point I'd forget the show's title and spout out too much trivia in giving a review or the book's background that could be a bit too much for the listeners and and I would eventually get called out onto this point. Now, I don't know honestly if this point was ever brought up with the show's past co-hosts. I really like our show's alliterative title, Bat Books for Beginners. But I almost wish I could call it Bat Books hyphen, not for beginners only. (laughs) And I would hope that I could put out with Jerry an entertaining and informative podcast for Bat fans that's just not limited to newbies, but also that are also longtime Batman fans as well. Mm -hmm. I don't think Ian gave too much, but that's just me, someone who's been a Bat fan for decades. I I appreciate it. he has a lot of love for the characters we're covering, and it shows, and I welcome his knowledge. Definitely. But I have to confess, sometimes I can go a bit overboard in reciting <laughs> some obscure facts. <laughs> and I don't 
don't want that to be a turnoff for the listener. The comics hobby is ripe with trivia. It can be overwhelming. It can be intimidating. I tell you, when I started out, I encountered folks who knew much more about the hobby than I did. And when I wanted to know more about comics, I was kind of shunned by them because I didn't know as much as they did. But I still hung with the hobby. So I want to thank both Ian and Comic Connoisseur for their comments. I hope the listeners out there will indulge me for some occasional short dissertations. And while the quote for beginners is in the show's title... There may be an occasion where, speaking for myself, I do provide a bit more trivia that I hope will be of some benefit to the beginner and the longtime fan. The last thing I ever want to do is to turn away a listener or someone just starting out in the hobby. Again, thanks a million to both of you, and I hope you both still keep listening. And that's exactly the kind of comments we want. What do you want more of? What do you want less of? That's where we're more than happy to, to listen to give you what you want. Okay, we also had a comment on episode 158 where we covered Batman War Game, or excuse me, where we covered Batman War Drums. And at the time of this recording, that dropped four days ago. So we might still get some comments down the line, but right now we only have one that was on the website. And again, it was from Ian Miller, a.k.a. Ian Prime. And let me give it a read here. Thanks for the shout-out, Jerry and Chris. War drums, war games, and war crimes are complicated storylines for me as a Stephanie Brown fan, obviously. War drums for this episode. I love the idea, but while some of the threads are there, there is not really a sense of building war. I did want to let the audience know that the War Drums collection is included in the new War Games 2 volume collection, along with a few other connected stories featuring Steph as Robin. Those still missing Batgirl number 34, for no apparent reason, even though it segs directly into Batman the 12th Cent Adventure, which kicks off War Games proper. Well, thank you very much, Ian. I appreciate that. Great info. Because I really didn't know what was... Yeah, that, that is good info as to what was there and what was not. Ian goes on to say, Last October, I bought my treasured copy of Robin... Number 126 for $1. Wow. And good, though obviously not pristine condition at a used book and comic store. Just sitting there in the bins. Hmm. I was ecstatic, as you can imagine. It's bagged and boarded, though not slabbed. Shutter. What's the point of laminating your comics <laughs> if you can never read them again? That's true. And hanging on my wall at work to cheer me up when I am down. Now, I'm going to stop right there and say, wow, to find a book like that for a buck, that's wow. really, really a great find. Um, I would love to do a podcast just with comics in general, where we, we, we fans come come in and just say, "What was your biggest find? What was your what was that back issue find that you had?" You know, and conversely, I'd like to do one where what was that one issue that got away? But if you had a couple more bucks, you know, or what did you see that you know was maybe a price that seemed too exorbitant at the time? But looking back, uh, the the book just sh- shot up to an insane value that is is unattainable, but conceivably could have been attained by you at one point. I I think that's really good. The other point I wanted to bring up, you know, I got to tell Ian that, you know, I do that work myself where um, I don't take the actual comic and hang it on the wall at work, but what I do is I take a color copy of the cover and I post it on my wall at work and it's, there's just something about it. Like Ian, if you're down, you know, and I just turn and look at that cover and it, it kind of there's something about it that boosts you up, and it's it's just something personal that you have a connection to with that book that really can uh, elevate your mood at the time. Uh, I, I'm sure everybody's got such a book, perhaps, if they're a long-time collector or even a short-time collector, where you 
something that resonates with me with cover wise. I, I tend to rotate a lot of covers mm-hmm. in my cubicle, but um, that's something I do. But I, I've never put the book itself up there because I was afraid that somebody might walk off with it. So yeah, I, I, I make a color copy of the cover, hang it up there. Uh, Ian continues. I love all the enjoyment you two had with Steph as Robin. The Detective Comics 796 issue is probably the best issue featuring Steph as Robin, though it does repeat a bit of her character development from the Final Night tie-in issue of Robin number 35, during which Steph learns the value of human life and not killing as a superhero, even in self-defense. It makes the Detective issue feel a bit redundant if you know Steph's history well. But on the whole, Batman was a good mentor to Steph here. Instead of the jerk he is in the Robin title. And Steph is delightful, even when facing Zaz, a common villain of pure evil that many Robins face early in their careers. Damien did so in Streets of Gotham number 10 and 11, and Duke did so in the backups of All-Star Batman. And I'll jump in here. Boy, those, that's a great that's a great observation, Ian, because I always thought, you know, the Robin villains would always be tied with, like, uh, Dick Grayson and Crazy Quill or somebody. <laughs> like that. But that would be, like, the common villain. But you're right. Ian is right, though. Zaz was a common villain for these Robins early on in their career. And I'm trying to remember if Dick Grayson ever fought, did a one-on-one with him. I'm going to have to research that, but boy, that, that's a great catch. And that's a great, great observation. Uh, Ian concludes, Damien Scott's art for the Robin issues is good. He came back two years later to do a short story in his solo issue, starring Stephen Cass's Batgirl and Robin, which was really cute. Ian finishes up by saying, I'm surprised you didn't discuss Steph getting fired a bit more, but maybe that's best served for or best saved for war games proper. End of Ian's message. Great message. Uh, great message. I don't know if I thought we discussed it. I guess when you're in the moment of recording, you think you touched upon all the touch points that you wanted to cover, but maybe we didn't elaborate on something. Mm-hmm. I thought I mentioned it. I apologize if we didn't get more into it than you you would have hoped. It was um, heartbreaking for her. It was heartbreaking, and maybe maybe that's why I didn't mention it because it was a little bit too painful to bring up. Um, it was a harsh moment. I thought it was sort of uncalled for. I remember my comment, if I'm correct, is, was something along the lines of, well, even if it was to save your life, you're still going to fire me? You know, I thought, well, come on, Batman. Really? Are you going to be, be, a, be a, you know, kind of a, you know, so-and-so about this? But yeah. um, Right. Uh, I really did. I guess I didn't have more to say about it. I don't know. She had. She was so joyful as as Robin, and like you said, it was so emotional seeing her getting fired, and you knew how it affected her because of the love she had of being Robin. That it it was a difficult difficult moment in comics. Really emotional. Mm-hmm. So, listeners, if you have any comments, you can feel free to uh, give us a tweet. If you'd like to elaborate more, you can post it on the TBU website under their comment section, and we'd love to hear from you. Definitely. So now we also don't want to forget that we have our our promotion going on. We wanted to remind everyone about the giveaway. The good folks at Carmen Street Comics helped us to find a copy of one of my personal favorites, Gates of Gotham. Now, if you want to enter this giveaway contest, leave a review for us on iTunes and we'll select one review at random to receive the book. You don't have to give us a five-star review. Give us hammers if you want, but just go over and give us a review, and we will uh, pick one at random to, to be the winner. Now, uh, remember, no TBU associates or family members can win. 
Now, this episode is being recorded on May 13th. Our previous episode where we announced this was recorded at the end of April, so I'm not exactly sure how the dates are going to work out. I think the release of the previous episode is around May 23rd, but so it's going to be a little difficult to figure out when to end the contest, so bear with us. I recommend you get your iTunes review in now as soon as possible so you don't get shut out of the contest. So, Great advice, Jerry, and good luck out there. I, I'm hoping uh, I'm hoping we get a, a winner uh, who, who's uh, we haven't heard from before. You know, not to say you know we, we don't get to press like that, but I'm gonna I'll just I guess what I mean to say is I'm gonna be surprised who's winner. I'm gonna go, oh, that's great. That's I'm gonna great. say, oh, that's great. You know, oh, that, that, really good. <laughs> and what a great prize. So thank you, Carmine Street at Comics. I really appreciate that. That's uh, we can't thank you enough. Thank you so much. So that's all for today. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the podcast. Please leave us comments so we know what you liked, how we can do better, and join us next time when we will be covering War Games Act 3, the big finale. We hope you join us then. So I'm Jerry. And I'm Chris. And we're saying goodbye for now, and thank you for tuning in to Bet Books for Beginners.